If you're new to Excel tonight, it's just what we do. Cover your ears. Excel, I said, hey, yo. Hey, yo. That's just me making sure y'all are here. If you are new tonight and it's your first time, I just want to say welcome. If you're wondering who the heck I am, my name is Pastor Izzy. I am the youth pastor here. I get the honor and privilege of hanging out with the youth and all that, and it's amazing. I am a husband to Pastor Ariel. I'm a father to our youth ministry mascot, Dotbot, a.k.a. Dottie. Uh, and I am also a uh, United States soldier in the uh, Illinois National Guard. You're welcome. You're welcome for my service. I am, I am in the Army, and I love it. But my favorite thing that I get to do other than a dad and a husband is I get to be your youth pastor. So I'm excited. If you're wondering what's about to happen, I'm going to read God's word tonight. Are you ready for that? If you've got your Bible, can you just wave it up in the air like you just do care? Oh, yeah. Wave it up in the air like you just do care. I, I essentially, there's nothing mystical about me. I don't got powers. I, I've just studied the Bible, and I believe that God speaks through the Bible, and I believe that God has called me to help students understand the Bible. That's essentially what I'm doing up here, is I'm going through the Bible with you. We are discovering what God wants to say to us. Um, and so that's kind of what I do. I've devoted my life to studying the Bible and helping students come to know Jesus, because Jesus changed my life. When I was in uh, Oh, actually, junior high. When I was in eighth grade at a church on Addison and Long called uh, Victory Worship Center, right then and there, Liberty, sorry, Liberty Christian Center. Victory was the other church. I didn't get saved at that church. <laughs> Did not. I got saved on a Friday night a few blocks from here, and I've never been the same. So I'm excited to be speaking to you tonight. Um, go with me quickly to uh, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. We're going to be in that first verse. Go ahead and throw the, the, the graphic up. Oh, I love that. Matthew 16. Yeah. Go to Matthew 16. We're in a series, which is essentially kind of like a Netflix season. We're in season one of one in a series called Masks. It's October. And it's kind of the one season out of the year that dressing up as something else is not as weird. Like, if you want to dress up as a cow, do it. Do it. But we're in a season and a series called Masks. So as you look up Matthew 16, I want to give you the premise of it tonight. So if you've missed the past two weeks, this is what we're saying. You and I, whether we see it or not, are a part of what I like to call the world's masquerade. A masquerade we learned in week one is essentially a party. A party where people come dressed in masks. Beautiful masks. Nonetheless, the lyrics to a certain song from a certain musical tells us that the purpose is to hide who they really are. And you and I, whether we know it or not, in one point of our lives, are going to become owners of several masks, of several masks. What do I mean by that? I mean that if we don't know who we really are, eventually we're going to allow certain things in our life to tell us. 
And when we allow certain things to tell us who we are, rather than the Bible, rather than who Jesus is, ultimately what's handed to us isn't a name tag of this is who you are. It's a mask. It's a mask that says you have to look like this in order to to be accepted. It's a mask that says, ladies, you have to talk, act, and dress, and wear your makeup like this in order for guys to notice you. It's a mask that says, fellas, if you don't work out every day, or this or that, if you cry, not a man, you need to wear this mask. It's a mask that tells us that we have to get ahead. So there are masks all over and different voices telling us who we have to be. And the question that I had when I was your age is, who am, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? And how do I even get there? I became an owner of a mask. But I believe this, that my heart for you in this series is that you understand who you really are is only found in revealing the true identity of Jesus. And we talked in week one and week two that the true identity of Jesus is the Say louder. Is the Messiah. We remember that the Messiah is another word for chosen one, anointed one, savior, redeemer. The true identity of Jesus is that he is the son of God. And we see in this next passage that we are about to read, what happens when we come to that realization? If you're ready, say, "Uh uh-huh. If you got to say, oh, yeah. Can you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? There's nothing crazy or magical about this. It just means when we stand for something, it means it's very important. So if we can stand for any kind of flag, we want to stand for God's word. It says this. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? Stop right there. That's him saying, hey, who do people think that I am? Let me know what people's opinion are. Next slide. Or is. They replied, some think he is John the Baptist, which we realize he wasn't because that was his cousin, and they lived at the same time. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. People in the Bible, right? Characters in the Bible that we love and know that are amazing, that do awesome things. Or one of the other prophets. He pressed them and said, and how about you? So now he's talking to his boys, the 12 disciples, his crew. He's saying, And how about you? Who do you say I am? Next slide. Simon Peter, and he's always, if if there's something you need to know about Simon, he's always going to be the first one to open his mouth, right? Simon Peter said, or other translations says, uh, uh, Simon Barjona says, you're the Christ. This is that revealing part I was talking about. The Messiah, the son of the living God. Next slide. He says this. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. Next slide. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it. What he's saying is he's giving Simon a new name. He called him Peter. And with that name came a promise that he was going to use him to do something awesome. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, not mine. And so I pray tonight, God, that you would speak to us. Help us uncover the mask that we're wearing 
And I pray, God, tonight that we would lay it down as we discover who we really are by discovering who you really are. In Jesus' name. Everyone says? A to the men. A to the men. You can find a Z. The title of tonight's message is Pastor Izzy needs to mute his phone. No. The title of tonight's message is going to be a quick one. It's called The Mask of the Phantom. The Mask of the Phantom. Who remembers last week's mask that we discovered? What was it called? The Empty Bucket. Go back and watch that. It's awesome. Tonight, we are talking about the mask of the phantom. A few weeks ago, I showed you my favorite musical of all time. Don't get the all black twisted. I love musicals, and I will fight you. All right? I love musicals a lot. I like that they sing the whole time. I like that they sing the whole time. Because some of y'all are like, why can't they just, like, not sing? I'm like, because it's not a musical, Val. All right? I'm just, I'm just playing. Right? It's, it's a musical. Okay? The Phantom of the Opera, we talked about it. I won't go over that again. But tonight I want to show you what the Phantom wore. Because last week or two weeks ago, we talked about this guy that was basically haunting this opera house and causes all this ruckus. And he actually wore a mask. And I want to show you what that mask really looks like. And honestly, as we show that mask, maybe tonight we find ourselves wearing the same one. Go ahead, show this slide. That's him. That's the Phantom. Perfect hair, by the way. Phenomenal hair. If only I can have his hair, right, and his jawline. But that's the Phantom. Um, I, I noticed something weird about this mask. Let's show the next slide. And we'll stay there for a second. This is, um, this is an interesting mask. Would you say so? Um, if you notice tonight, this mask looks a little different than what we're kind of used to, right? We're kind of used to this or all of it, right? Or what are they called? The, the shysties? The, the, right? They got army ones that are amazing. I might buy one, right? The ski masks, whatever, right? But I'm used to that. Normally, people wear those masks to do what? What? Not, someone said kill. No, don't do that. Right? To hide. Right? Is that what you just said? The cool points of the jaywalkers. To hide their identity. Right? Right? They wear it to usually hide. But if you notice something, the phantom isn't wearing a full mask. Which kind of sparked something as I was preparing this message. That means the phantom isn't hiding from anyone. And so I asked myself, well... People wear masks to hide something. And so if it's not his identity, then what is it? And I felt the Lord spoke to me. He says, it's his insecurity. It's his insecurity. And I was like, that makes sense. Because if you know a little bit of the history of the Phantom of the Opera, you'll know why. And here it is. The Phantom's story, we don't know his name. But the Phantom's story starts as a little boy. And as a little boy, he was disfigured. His face, whether it was from a burn or an injury or how he was born, we don't know. But what we do know was that no one liked to see him. His face was disturbing to look at. It doesn't just stop there. We find out later that somehow, someway, whether a circus bought him from his parents or he was abandoned, he finds himself now an act in a circus. Now, I wish I could say this kid, this poor kid, 
was a clown and juggled or a trapeze artist or fighting lions. No, instead, he was called an abomination. He was called the devil's child. Come and see Satan's child. And they locked him in a cage. And people would come and laugh and throw things and abuse him. All because of what he looked like. I wonder if that sounds familiar to anybody. I wonder, I wonder if there's some people in your schools that feel like they're in a cage. And every day they get laughed at, pointed at, thrown things, and abused at school. I wonder if there's people walking our halls encountering this very thing. Because you might hear this and you're like, who would do that? Who would do that to a kid? And I say, hmm, I think we've all done it at one point or another. But before we get to this specific mask, I want to go on a quick side quest. I want to go on a side mission real quick. Can I do that? Come on, can I do that? I think it's important that we need to understand something. And it's this. Did you know that Satan wears a mask? Did you know that? This like, I've been a pastor for like 12 some years. I know you're about to take a picture of this. Tell me when you got it. You got it. This is interesting because when we think of Satan, we think of somebody that's like, I'm just evil. I'm just going to do what I do. Like Satan, like we all know that he's Satan. You know what I'm saying? By the way, if you didn't know, we are at in a spiritual battle with a spiritual enemy and his name is Satan. Once an angel kicked out of heaven, we can go into that another time. But we have an enemy, and he hates you. He hates everything about you. And so you think that it would be easy for us to kind of know when somebody hates you. You kind of know when somebody don't like you, right? That's someone in class that you just don't like. It's like they didn't do anything to you, but you just don't like them, and they don't like you, right? And you force to sit next to them, and you can just feel it. Am I crazy, or you feel what I'm saying? You just sit down, and you're like, you do one of these, right? <laughs> You'd be doing that. But I wonder, I wonder tonight if we understand something that, that he's a trickster. And, and I was like, Satan doesn't come out as like this ugly being. Because we kind of know what the opposite of God is. If God is light, what's the opposite? Right. If something is clean, what's the opposite? So I'm like, you think we would be able to know and discover and uncover the tactics of the enemy because if God is light, then he must be dark. But look at this. Look in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. I, I don't have that slide, right? I don't. Go to your Bibles. I want you to find it. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. We're going to be scholars. I'd be having it on the screens too much. Use your Bible or your phone, your glow Bible. Hope it doesn't die on you. 11, 14, 2 Corinthians 11, 14. Who's got it? Who's got it? Who's got it? Kayla, stand up and read it out loud. Can you do that? You have the King James Version? First of all, I'm highly impressed. I'm highly impressed. All right, who uh, Do you got it? Kayla, can you read it for us? I've never done this before, but this sounds fun. Whoa, so that's crazy. So the Bible's telling us right here in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, 
Paul, the writer of this, he's writing to the church, warning the church essentially about false prophets. He's like, hey, there's going to be people that like say they know Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. He's like, hey, you need to be aware that there's going to be some people that come to your church trying to preach and all that stuff, but really they're just like not safe. Like they, they're fake. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They're going to lead you astray. And so when he's talking about this, he basically says that they're going to be pretenders and fakes. In the Bible, Paul warns us that Satan, the devil, our enemy, disguises himself as an angel of what? That's crazy. That bothered me. I'm like, wait a minute. How can he even do that? How, how is that even possible? I wonder what that would even look like. And then I realized that there have been moments in my life where a thought or an action or something that sounded like good advice, that sounded like that was a good idea, that sounded like it felt good, more than likely ended up being a voice that was pretending to be light a voice pretending to be light. It's important for us to know and be able to discern the deception and not be fooled by the appearances of the enemy. This is important for us to see Satan as himself. And, and, and it's because he likes to come into disguises. Here's this next slide. Let's show it. Like this shouldn't scare us. We're like, wait a minute. Now I have to like figure out who's who. This shouldn't scare us. Because he may be able to change his face and his voice, but he cannot change his character. Listen to me for a second. Listen to me for a second. Because I asked myself this question. If Satan says, if the Bible says that Satan likes to disguise himself as a good guy, I said, God, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know if the voice that I'm hearing or how do I know if this certain situation in my life is light or dark? I, if he pretends to be light, how can I tell? And God showed me today and he told me this. He may be able to change his face. Through a mask, he may be able to change his voice, but he cannot change his character. What his character is, is he loves chaos. And he loves destruction. And he loves to divide. And he loves to hide. And he loves to guilt. And he loves to shame. And so if there's something in your life that is leading you to any of those options, but it feels good because we're emotional people, that tells us that we're being deceived by him. We can't, we can't not know this. Pastor Joey is in a sermon called Know Thy Enemy. He's in a series, and it's been amazing. Come on Sunday to Youth in Action as we continue that series with your boy, all right? To know thy enemy is to know his tricks, to know his schemes. And it's important that we know that he likes to disguise himself, but he cannot change his motives. He cannot change his actions. If we know what the ultimate result of that action is, and we'll be able to tell. If that, if me saying that to my mom has me hurt her feelings and be sent to my room, even though it feels good to say whatever I need to say to her, we know something. It's, it's not him. It's not God telling you to say that. But if he tells you to do something and, you, and it draws you close to your mom, it brings uh, repentance together and forgiveness and grace and mercy and unity, then we know that that's God. So the devil can't change his character. That's how we're able to tell who is who. It's important to know not just the character of the enemy, but the character of God. That's how you can tell. God is kind. God is graceful. God is merciful. 
God is loving. We just talked about that, right? So when you make a mistake, right, if you do this or do that, name the sin because everybody here is a sinner, including me, right? If you make a mistake and you know that you should probably not do it again and probably ask God for forgiveness, but there's a voice in your head saying that you should hide it, you shouldn't think about it, that it was okay, that all these things, what do we know? It's not him. It's not him. It's something that you and I should know. The character God wants us to draw close to him, not away from him. There is that thing floating around on Instagram that was like, you know, uh, religion says, oh, I made a mistake. I need to run away from God. But relationship says, I made a mistake. I need to go to him. Anything that says that you don't belong here, anything that says that you don't belong to God, that you're too dirty, that you're... You're a mistake, that you make too many mistakes. That's not him. That's not him. If it pulls you away from him, it's not him. God is saying, no, I already knew you were going to sin. I already knew you were going to make that mistake. I already knew all this, and I still chose you, and I still love you, and I will always love you. It's important to know the character of the enemy, but it's important to know the character of God. God loves you. So now that we can tell the difference between the enemy and and God's voice, and really it's the reason for this little side quest, now that we're back on the main road, say, we back. I'm just making sure you're here. Say, we back. Turn to your neighbor and just look at him. All right, now look at me. All right. The reason for the side quest is because when it comes to our insecurities, one of the main voices that likes to pick out those insecurities is the voice of the enemy. How many of you are insecure about something? I'm going to raise my hand. If you don't raise your hand, that's fine. You do you. I'm insecure. For years, I was insecure about my teeth. Your boy was shark boy and lava girl, I swear. My teeth were so, I had teeth behind teeth. It was crowded. It looked like Chicago traffic in my mouth. It was crazy. It was crazy. It looked like 55. It was on rush hour, 6 o'clock, just boom. Crazy, 290. I hated smiling. I hated smiling, which is kind of, horrible because part of my job was to sing and lead worship in front of thousands of people on a weekly basis. And they're like, Izzy, smile more. And I'm like, how far can I get, like the Grinch smile, how far can I get without showing my teeth? I hated my teeth. I ended up getting braces. It was a great time, but I didn't like it. But we all have something that we're like, ooh, if I were only taller or tall people, if I were only shorter, you don't know what you're saying, but if I were only shorter, if I were only this, if I were only, we all have it, right? I'm just making sure we're all not alone on this. We all have something. And so what the devil likes to do is he likes to point those out. You ever met somebody that did that? Here's what I mean. Uh, where was I? JV. You remember this? JV. I've got psoriasis in my head. I don't care. It is what it is. It looked like it'd be snowing all the time on my shoulders. Let me know and I'll dust it off, all right? But on, on a JV on Sunday, a kid just randomly walked by me, and he goes, what's going on with your skin? I goes, you know, you got dandruff. And I'm like, boy, I will literally body slam you in this table right now. <laughs> he literally just walked by, like, on his way to his seat and went, you got dandruff. I'm like, oh, dandruff. Your Anyways, God's still helping me with that. But you ever had people do that? You know who's infamous for doing that? relatives like during Christmas time that you haven't seen in forever. I had that happen to me. Like, 
Like, one time, one year, I went home for Christmas in Florida, and I was like 125 pounds because I was literally dying. I was malnourished because I wasn't eating. And then I show up, and because I actually had been eating, and literally was called fat by like three of my grandmas. I'm like, Merry Christmas to you. Like, oh, I go to the I'm like, whoa! Didn't I be pointing, like, aunts and grandmas are infamous for pointing out some of your insecurities. Why do they do that? I don't know but I'm going to start doing it. Oh, look at that mole that you haven't had gone and faced for like 10 years, right? Anyways, my grandma does not have. Let's get back on. Say, Pastor Izzy, get back on track. All right, don't yell at me. But ultimately, that voice likes to sound like good advice. Advice like this. You shouldn't laugh like everyone hates your laugh. You'll make people like you more if you don't laugh or Like I said before, you shouldn't smile. Your teeth look horrible. People will feel weird talking to you. And so people would be your friend if you didn't smile as much. Or your hair is this. Or your weight is that. Or your skin color is this. Like I can go on and on. And we are all insecure about something. And the devil likes to highlight those things. So tonight I want to start removing the mask of insecurity. Removing the mask of insecurity. The phantom's mask is a symbol of his insecurity and self-doubt. In the same way, many people, they struggle with feelings of inadequacy or worthlessness. Like we've all kind of been there. Notice again his mask. I'm going to put this on for you. What's happening with my hair? This seems really funny. I can kind of see your faces. But this is us. What do I mean by this? These, this area of my face that you can see is the area that I like. It's the area that I'm willing to show people. I'm willing to show people certain things about me. But when it comes to the things that really hurt... When it comes to the things that really bother me, no one wants to see that. When it comes to the things that that I feel really deep inside, maybe the things that I'm struggling with, when I come to church, when I go to school, this is the mask I wear. Again, I'm not trying to hide my identity. I'm trying to hide my insecurities because I know that if people really knew what I was struggling with, if people really knew what I was dealing with, they wouldn't want to be my friend. If Pastor Izzy, if my XL Plus leaders knew what was happening in my life, they wouldn't want me around. And so I wear wear the mask of the phantom. I wear the mask of insecurity. It means this is the side that I like people to see. This is the side that I think is acceptable. But in reality, I'm hurting on the inside. In reality, this side of my face I look at every day. And I want to talk about physical appearances because if there's anything that I see on social media the most, it's people and their appearances. You get a lot of people's thoughts and their opinions, sure. But really what you see on Instagram, on, on, on Twitter now called X, on whatever other system that you're on, is people's appearance. Can I put my glasses back on? 
The phantom got smart. But this is us. It only covers part of his face. It only covers part of his identity. The parts of him that bullied him. The parts of him that people just didn't want to be around. And that's, that's some of us. We only show what we think people want to see. What people need to see. What we think will get us accepted or left alone. Like I'll, 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 I'll show parts of me that will just like have me get left alone. Because like if I let anybody get close to me then, then, then that means they're going to see what's under the mask. And what's under the mask, what's... What I'm dealing with, it's just, it's not good. And we think that by hiding this side of our face from people, that we hide it from God. And I'm here to tell you tonight that nothing is hidden from his sight. Nothing. And that bothered me because it made me feel exposed, right? Like, there's part of the movie where this woman that he's falling in love with wants to really see what's behind the mask. And she rips it off of him. She takes it off. And he freaks out. He goes on a fit because she wants to know what she's really falling in love with. And you're like, I don't want people to get close to me because if they did, this comes off. And if this comes off, I'm embarrassed, I'm humiliated, and I'll be abandoned. I'll be left alone. And I want you to know that God already sees what's under the mask. That he's already seen it. And he actually addresses this. He's like, if there's ever a voice in your life that tells you that you have to hide what I've created. Check this out. Look at this. In Psalm 139. Go ahead, throw it on the screen. The psalmist says, I praise you for I am. What's that word? Say it again. And what? Wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me break this down for you. The Bible reminds us these things that were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Emphasizing the worth and value that's put on us. I know I look really weird with my glasses on, but it's going to happen. The Hebrew text of the Bible says that the word fearfully means with great reverence, heartfelt interest, and with respect. The word wonderfully means unique, set apart, marvelous. So what am I saying to you tonight? That God sees this side of you. God sees the side of you that no one else sees. That when you go into your room at night and you close the door and you finally breathe for the first time that day and you can just relax and just be yourself or whatever you think yourself is. God has seen that. And he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are marvelous to God. So here's the question then. How do we take off the mask? Because we can't live like this. No one can. This gets tiring. Like, when, when I lived my life this way, it got, it got old. It got old that every time someone wanted to get close to me, I would say, that's, that's, that's too close. I felt alone. I felt alone. And most of the time, it wasn't because people didn't like me. It's because I didn't like me. <sighs> I feel that. It's not that people didn't want to be around me. It's that 
The enemy had voices in my head telling me that people didn't want to be around me when that was the opposite. It wasn't that I was ugly or horrible. It's just that I was believing lies. And I found Psalm 139. It says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That means God made me for a purpose. That God designed me for a purpose. Intricately woven in, in, in time. He, he spent time in creating me. So how do we take off the mask? Here it is. You and I must declare every day that we are made in the image of God. That we don't have to show or hide our insecurities, but that those things make us unique and treasured by God. Listen, we must remember that in Christ, we find our true identity. And in that, we can remove the mask, embracing our unique design and purpose. So as I close, Emily, if you want to hop up there, we take off the mask when we what? When we speak life and truth and when we can know more and more about God. Here's what that looks like. As we close, when you wake up that morning before school and you see that one thing about yourself you don't like, and so you go ahead, you start to put the mask on. But I want you to remember, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say, I am fearfully, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not by accident, but by God's design. Students, that's what we do. That's what we do. We say, listen, the voice that's telling me I can't do this or, or that, the voice that's pointing out the one thing I don't like about myself, it's this. Actually, you know what? I'm not that. I'm not dumb. You know what? I'm not dumb. I don't, I don't know what keeps telling me. I don't know what keeps telling me that I'm that, but I'm not that. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say that I'm dumb. And if it's not him, if that's not his character, well, then I know who it is. Okay, well, great. I'm not that. And you go about your day. And then somehow you open up your locker at your school, and there it is again. And you're looking at it, and you're like, I just failed that test. Maybe... Maybe I am this. Maybe this is what my teachers expect of me, and maybe I'll never get this. And it shows up at your locker. What you thought you left at home shows up at your locker. But you know what you can say? No, I'm fearfully, and I am wonderfully made. I am made by God. He's designed me, and he does not call me dumb. And so I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. And then you go home and you realize that it's not on your counter anymore. And I believe that the more and more you remember who you are in God, that you're fearfully, wonderfully made, the more and more you realize that you don't have to be insecure, that God has made you uniquely. He's designed you. He loves everything about you. That smile you hate, God loves the hairline you hate, God loves. How tall, how short, how fit, however it is, right here, right now, God loves you. He's designed you. And I believe that the more and more we remind ourselves 
who we really are because of who Jesus really is, that one day we'll never have to pick it up again. One day we'll never see it again. That all starts with knowing Jesus. How am I able to know the truth if I don't know the truth? The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the what? Who knows it? Say it. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. So to know Jesus is to know the truth about myself. He, calls, he says that I'm more than a conqueror. There's so many things in the Bible that will, that will affirm who God has called you to be. And yet, because we don't know Jesus or know the Bible, we're unable to fight those thoughts off. We're unable to say, no, I'm not this. And you know what the devil loves to do? He says, you're not that? No, I'm not like that. Says who? So it's like this mask is speaking to you. He said, I'm not dumb. He's saying, you're not? Who told you that? And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know who God has called you to be, if you don't know that you're a son, if you don't know that you're a daughter, you're going to say, I don't know. And then that voice and that mask is going to say, then I'm the only answer. And so he put the mask back on again. When you know Jesus, you know freedom. When you know Jesus, you don't ever have to wear a mask again. You don't ever have to be insecure. But you have to know Jesus. This is where I come to an end tonight. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, like, you don't know me, but like, that's me. I deal with insecurities. That's why I flirt to, to compensate for the way I feel about myself. That's why I do this. This is why I do that. Pastor, that's me. I, I have that mask. I'm wearing this tonight, Pastor. What do I do? Help get it off. And I would say to you, you got to know who Jesus is. You have to know who Jesus is. I'm not saying you have to know all the answers. I'm saying you just have to know Jesus. And we said it earlier that Jesus is the what? Say it again. The Messiah. So here's the gospel. There is a man named Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, made zero mistakes. That's crazy to me, but he did. Lived a perfect life. When he turned 30 years old, he started ministry. Jesus, being the son of God, spent three years of his life just blessing people. Just spent three years of his life hanging out with people like you, people like me, even the worst of the worst, murderers, tax collectors, prostitutes, the homeless, the enemy. He would go and hang out with them, not just hang out with them. Jesus would go and heal them. People with sick kids, Jesus, can you heal my kid? He would heal the kid. Jesus, Jesus, your friend, my brother, he's dead. Can you come and help? And he resurrected people. People that were dead, he would resurrect them. Sounds like a really nice guy. An amazing man, the son of God, fully man, fully God. Three years go by and he was betrayed by one of his best friends. For silver. 
because what Jesus was doing, healing people, it didn't make sense to some other people and they didn't like him for it. They said, we got to get rid of this guy. And so they had an illegal trial behind closed doors and they figured that in order to get rid of him, we've got to kill him. This is a man that spent his whole life loving people, blessing them, healing them, seeing the best in them, and people want to kill him. So a man named Judas, one of his disciples, one of his friends, betrays him, and they capture Jesus. And the Bible says that they beat him until he was unrecognizable. And they put him on trial in front of everyone. And after that trial concluded, they said, we've got to crucify him on a cross. That cross isn't something you wear around your neck. That cross signifies one of the worst to date possible ways to die. The Roman Empire created it. Until today, they say it is still the worst way to die. They took an innocent man. And they hung him on a cross. And you're like, why would would they do that? Why would Jesus let them do that? Jesus allowed himself to go all through those things because of you. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What he's saying is, Father, forgive, forgive people. Forgive these people. Forgive you. Forgive you. That's what he's talking about, you. Because ultimately what he was doing is he was paying a price. Because the Bible says that sin, the mistakes you make, the sin in your life, the wages of sin, meaning the result of sin, is death. And someone had to die in order to make us clean again, in order for us to even talk to God. There were all these rules, there were all these laws, but Jesus said, if me dying means that that they can be saved, if me dying means that they don't have to go through this, that God can love them freely without rules or all those, then you know what, I'll do it. And so Jesus died for you. You're like, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for someone to die for me. Listen, he did it because he loved you. He did it because he loved you. He loves you. But that's not where the story ends. You're like, where's the hope? The story ends three days later. Sorry, the story begins three days later. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is alive. And because of his resurrection, you and I can take off our masks and allow God to do a work in our hearts. And that if anything were to ever happen to us, we wouldn't go to a place that was never meant for us called hell. But we can live forever in his presence in heaven. We can be our true selves. What is your true self tonight? Saved. You're saved. Jesus saved you. But in order to walk in that freedom, in order to get the strength to take off the mask, to stop listening to all the voices in your head telling you you're nothing, you're not enough. You have to know the truth. And the truth is Jesus. The truth is coming to follow Jesus. When you say, I want to follow Jesus, you're saying the way Jesus lived, I want to live my life like that. I want to live for people. I want to be loved on. I want to be forgiven. I want to be forgiven. And so with every head bow and eyes closed, no one looking around, 
No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you here. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not, ask, I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. We're just going to do this. If you're here tonight, there's going to be two calls. The first one is this. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Izzy, I'm tired of wearing masks. I'm tired of it. I want to be free. I want to be who you've called me to be. And, and I want to know that I'm loved every day. But I don't know Jesus. If you are here and you don't know Jesus, meaning you've never made a verbal decision to follow him, meaning to be a Christian. And tonight you say, Pastor Izzy, if following Jesus means that I can be saved and I can get the help I need, if it means that someone will love me for forever, then, then I'll do it. Is there anyone here tonight that you say, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian tonight. All I want you to do is on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. No one else is looking. I just want you to slip up your hand. That way I know that someone wants to pray for you. On the count of three, one, God loves you so much. Two, he's crazy about you. There's nothing in this world that could separate you from him. Three, is there anybody here that wants to be a Christian, that wants to follow Jesus? Amen. I see those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. Once you put your hand up, you can put it right back down. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else that says, Pastor Izzy, that's me. I'm tired of wearing the mask here. I've been coming here for X amount of days, and, and, and I've not made this decision. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be saved. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore, and I need Jesus to help me. Is there anybody else? Go ahead, raise your hand. Once you put it up, you can put it right back down. Whatever voice in your head that is telling you not to raise your hand, you now know who that is. Whatever voice in your head that's telling you you don't need to raise your hand, that's not God. That's not God. That's fear. That's not him. God is saying, I want to be with you, and I want you to learn from me, and I want you to be loved on by me. And so for once, right here, right now, do the opposite of what you feel and raise your hand. I'm going to count one more time. One, two, three. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Awesome. Maybe you're here tonight. And this mask is you. Maybe you, you are a Christian and, and, you, and you know Jesus and you've been doing this this whole time. But maybe there's some things in your life that you've been buying into as lies. The insecurities that you've allowed to shape you. Insecurities that, that you've allowed to bother you. You say, Pastor Izzy, I wear this mask every day. And I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to help me. And I want to take it off tonight. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. You say, I'm, I want to take the mask off. Tonight, I'm taking the mask off. One, you don't have to wear it anymore. Two, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Three, is there anybody here that you wear that mask? There's one hand. Yeah, I see those hands. I see those hands. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? You're like, listen, hands have already gone up. Now you know you're not alone. So let's do it together. Let's do this together. Take off the mask tonight. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand.
Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's what we're going to do. Let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. And we're going to pray this prayer together. There's some people that raised their hand to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to be a Christian tonight. The Bible says, those of you that rose your hand for that, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you were to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again, you're saved. That's it. And so we're going to pray this prayer. Some call it the sinner's prayer, but we're going to pray this prayer. And I want you to repeat after me because sometimes we don't know how to express what we're feeling. And so together we're going to pray. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, say, dear Jesus. I see you today. And I know you see me. And I know you've seen the mask. Tonight, I've heard your word. And because I've heard your word, I've heard you, your voice, your love. Tonight, I want to take off the mask. And I want to follow you. And so right here, right now, I make a decision to confess my sins. I'm not perfect. And you knew that. So you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins so that I wouldn't have to pay the price. And three days later, I believe with all my heart that he was resurrected, that he rose again, that Jesus lives. And I believe because I believe and confess with my mouth these things that tonight I'm saved, that tonight I'm a Christian, that tonight I'll start following Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Change me. Rearrange me if you have to. But tonight, I don't ever have to be the same. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, come on, everyone says, come on, would you celebrate those who made that decision tonight? Come on. People got saved tonight. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be excited about. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. You can find me after service. Some of you that raised your hand for this mask tonight, I believe even without an altar time, that as you go home tonight, you can say Psalm 139 that says what? That I am and made. Excel students. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That mask is not your true identity. Christ is now. Amen. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. You don't hear that often. I'm proud of you. I love you. I can't wait to see you guys tomorrow for XL Plus and Sunday for Youth in Action. You are dismissed. Go in the grace of God. Peace.